0: Welcome to the Successfully Unemployed Show. My name is Dustin Heiner, and I'm here to help you learn how to quit that J-O-B, that just overbroke job, by any means possible, starting a business, having a side hustle, investing, all the different ways out there. Now, today, I'm gonna share with you how you can create a conference, an in-person event that brings together lots and lots of people. I have a fantastic expert friend of mine sharing with us how he created a 2,500-person event and how you can do it too all right let's start the show Hey, what's up, guys? I am super pumped that you are here with me on the show. Now, I'm also even more pumped that I actually have everything set up for the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. I haven't even really promoted it other than just by mentioning it that this is what I'm working on because I know, know it's just fun sharing all the things that I'm working on. But now, I literally have the hotel. I have the other friends, my influencer friends that are gonna be a part of it as well. I'm super pumped that we're gonna be putting on this conference where we're going to be helping so many people. And and this is a big deal. This is a no sales pitch event. Now, if you've been to any real estate conference in the past, literally they'll charge you $100, really, really inexpensive, charge you $100, but then after each one of the sessions, they'll say, everybody, run to the back of the room now, and the first 100 people that give us $10,000, it normally costs a million dollars, but it's $10,000 for you today, get out your credit cards and give us $10,000. That's not what this conference is all about. And obviously, if you've been with me for any while, you know that I just love to give, and I also love to surround myself with people who also like to give. So I have so many friends that are gonna be a part of this conference who are influencers that are bringing their audience as well. Now I have Annie Dickerson from Good Egg who does apartment syndication. I have Seth Williams from RE Tipster who does land investing. And honestly, I'm probably gonna be sitting in on one of his his talks because land investing sounds awesome. I also have David Paré who's from Military to Millionaire. He's gonna be here as well. I also have Lisa Peterson, who is a fantastic short-term rental property as well as a commercial property investor. Sunitha Rao, who's also a fantastic house hacker and so many other fantastic investors. Now, these are all people who literally, like I've handpicked them because they just love to give. Another really good friend of mine, whose name is Paul David Thompson, who has his own podcast called Ready Investor One. He is going to be sharing on midterm or mid-length rental properties, not short-term, not long-term. He's gonna show her on that. I have Diego Corsi. I have a big, long list of all these friends, investors of mine that are gonna be here, and they're just givers. And so we're here to give to you. Now, the event, the conference, is a community-building conference. There's going to be so much about community building, networking, and getting to know other investors because it's so much easier to invest in real estate when you have people on your side literally encouraging you, building you up, passing along deals, all that sort of stuff. And so I want to get you tickets. Like I told you I'm going to start selling them by December 1st. I think I did it. We have the hotel. Everything's locked down. It's going to be downtown Phoenix, March 10th in the afternoon is when we get started to check in. And then we're gonna start on Friday morning and Saturday because I know all of us, we have jobs or hopefully we're working our way out of a job that J-O-B. I'm trying not to disrupt your life by putting it on the weekend. And so hopefully you will be able to come here and have a fantastic time building up your business. We're going to have so many great sessions on literally everything. I even have people coming and teaching about asset protection, all that sort of stuff. Marco Santarelli is coming as well. Man, this is going to be fantastic. So you go into the description. In the description, you'll see Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference, the link to go get your tickets right now. And now because you're on my podcast, I'm going to give you a $50 off promo code. Use the promo code in the the purchase process, just write the word Dustin, or I write my name, Dustin, and you'll get $50 off because I want everybody who's in my audience to benefit from this because you guys have been around me for so long. And remember, this is going to be a place where we as Master Passive Income, we get together as a meetup. Like this is a time where we can all get together and enjoy each other's company, have a great, great time doing it and meet other great investors, influencers as well. So go to the link in the description and you will go to the page where it literally itemizes out everything, all the speakers, what we're going to be talking about, the location, times, all the agenda, everything like that, because we're going to have dinner. We're even going to have a closing fiesta, which is so very good. I'm really excited about having that because we're in Arizona in the wintertime. So it's March 10th through the 12th. I'm hoping to not lose my shirt on this. I'm doing this as a service to you guys. I just want to give you guys so much content, so much great resources so that you become a successful real estate investor. Now, you can also get my real estate investing course absolutely for free. Text the word RENTAL, R-E-N-T-A-L, to 33777. RENTAL to 33777, and I will literally give you my real estate investing course. And you guys are absolutely getting a treat here. Now, I had this call with this friend of mine who is an expert that created this 2,500-person event, this conference that just helps lots of people. I actually said, hey, PT, his name's Philip Taylor. He goes by PT, created the awesome conference called FinCon, the financial bloggers expo, and I basically just asked him questions to help me plan my conference that I'm putting on. So this is a fantastic look, like deep look into creating your own in-person event. All right, let's start the show where PT our expert is going to share with us how we can create our own amazing Conference. Here we go. PT from PT Money or from FinCon as well. PT, thank you so much for being on the show, man.
1: Dustin, it's great to be on, man. Excited to talk with you.
0: Okay. So tell me, even though I just brought a little bit about what you do, tell me, what, how do you provide for yourself and your family? Because I know you have other businesses as well. How do you provide for yourself and your family without working that J O B?
1: Right now, I own, like, as you mentioned, a couple of businesses, and, uh, you know, they're, they're, Bringing in some income. Uh, I'm also 46. And so I've spent, you know, 10 or 15 years now uh, building up a little bit of real estate, but mostly just, uh, you know, uh, low cost investing. So the two businesses I run PT Money, as you mentioned, personal finance blog, help people uh, get started, you know, doing a side hustle and fixing their finances. And then FinCon kind of came out of that project. And that was an excuse to get together all the other personal finance bloggers out there. Um, and now YouTubers and Twitterers and whatever new platforms there are out there. So they come to the show. Uh, the brands come to the show as well. And so that I run that business. That's the big piece of the portfolio. And I have a team, a small team that helps me run that. And they've just been with me for 10 years now plus helping me run it. And so they know how to do it. And I try to just kind of get out of the way and uh, own the thing. But, uh, you know, they're they're running the business and they do a fantastic job. We're blessed to have a great uh, customer base, people who love to come together once a year uh, for the show. And so um, I'm really thankful that we have FinCon. Uh, I built it for for me, sort of, uh, initially, but, um, you know, there's a real community out there who helps kind of craft it every year, and it's uh, it's a lot of fun to produce. So, happy to come on and talk events. They've been my passion for the last seven or eight years now, at least, and so it's something I can talk for days on.
0: And I am very, very thankful that you created FinCon, because I was teaching real estate with Master Passive Income and not really doing much right, like, or really doing anything well at all. And then I go to FinCon, and then I realize and learn and network and meet a lot of great people. Like so many great things came out of FinCon that helped everything else. And obviously, we have successfully Unemployed Show now, which spawned out of the idea of FinCon as well. In fact, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this, PT. So I wear my shirt, and I'm currently wearing it, the Successfully Unemployed. It says Successfully Unemployed on my shirt. And I would walk down the halls of FinCon. And FinCon is a, you know, obviously financial blogger's conference. And so other people are thinking about this idea of quitting their job with, and have been financially independent. I could not go down the hall literally five steps before somebody said, hey, I love your shirt, or hey, can I take a picture of your shirt, or can I take a selfie with you and your picture? They don't know who I am. They just love the idea of successful unemployed, and that got me thinking of obviously successful unemployed, but the whole idea of FinCon has just been such a, a blessing to me and my family because we're helping so many more people because of everything I got out of FinCon. Now, what that brought to me to was I want to do a conference, but we'll get into that in just a second. What were you doing before you got into PT money and the conferences and, you know, working at where you working a corporate job? And then how did it transition to where now you got up the nerve to actually quit that J-O-B?
1: Yeah. So my previous life, uh, it was in the accounting space. So my like my father, I got an accounting degree mostly because I didn't really have a strong passion for anything else and I was just good at accounting. Went for the CPA exam, took me a few years to pass that, but it ultimately did. Started out in public accounting a little while, so I was doing taxes and auditing, that kind of stuff. To be honest with you, man, it, it didn't really satisfy me. And I looked at the businesses I was auditing and doing taxes for, and I always found myself saying, oh, that would be a cool business to run. And then I would ask, talk to the partners at the accounting firms. Oh, do you ever like want to just go run these businesses? They look fun to run, you know, and without fail, like none of those partners were like, no, this is what I want to do. Like, I don't want to go do that stuff. This is what I want to do. And so I knew I needed to go find something else. Um, It was just going to have to be a matter of time because I just didn't know what that thing was yet. And I wasn't necessarily ready to quit and just play drums for a living or something like that. Uh, which I kind of wanted to do but side note uh, <laughs> that wouldn't have paid the bills very well so I'm a conservative guy and so risk aversion I was like there's got to be a better way to kind of like slow play out of this deal so I found the personal finance blogging scene and the financial independence community and that was really it was like oh there is a way out of this corporate path it's early it's you know financial independence and early retirement and or entrepreneurship you know and real estate So let's explore all these topics and kind of see which one resonates with me. And the idea of a small business through a blog started to kind of become a reality for me in about 2007. I started it up just as a side hobby. A year later, I was like, you know what? This could be a little business. So let's kind of crank it up a little bit. started blogging more regularly, putting more time and energy into it. And then three years later, so it took three years, but in 2010, uh, that side business was paying about half of what... Uh, my corporate salary was paying. I had spent that three years also getting married and my wife and I were both dedicated to living debt-free and advancing ourselves financially, gaining freedom. I was listening to a lot of Dave Ramsey back then. And so we were debt, debt-free except the mortgage and we had saved up a bunch of money. And so we were re- living very lean. And so making that jump to uh, self-employment at that time, was something that's still scary, but very still but practical because we weren't buried in debt. We were, were living lean, and we had given ourselves a little runway. And i had proven that this business could grow for over three years, and so I saw a pattern of growth. So that was our plan. It was a very conservative. It, it's not the typical entrepreneur, uh, I think. I have discovered a lot more entrepreneurs are just risky and just kind of put it out there and just go, uh, but that's not my style but I think there's room in the entrepreneur space for guys like me who slow play. It just take some time to, you know, to kind of knock down some of those risky things and then just set yourself up. So, you know, I probably would have jumped a little sooner, but we had little kids at that time. And so I was maybe a little concerned about just making sure we had everything shored up for them. But one of the, the, the the quick story on the day I quit was, uh, my corporate job had just signed me up for another three weeks overseas in India, which I would appreciated this job for all the travel opportunities it had given me before that. But this trip was going to go over our daughter's first birthday. And so I was going to be gone for the, and I tried to get out of it. I tried to switch countries and do all these kinds of things, but they just weren't having it. And they're like, nope, you got to go. And so I said, no, I don't have to go. <laughs> I got to choose to go, <laughs> but I, instead I'm going to choose to go home. And be at my daughter's first birthday, and become an entrepreneur, and I haven't, uh, you know, haven't returned to the, to the job as you say since that time. So that was 2010.
0: And now you have the bigger of all the businesses. It seems like is FinCon. I mean, you're touching lots and lots of lives with FinCon. I know usually. I when I go I meet lots and lots of people. I know 100 or sorry like like 1000 and maybe 2000 people depending on which year it was. Obviously coronavirus was last year so that made it a little more rough but uh, but anyways having a conference and this is really uh, huge for me to bring you on because I'm selfishly wanting to learn cuz usually the successful employee I do this to help other people learn but I was like man I could learn so much from PT right now. Okay so Here is generally, and obviously you and I talked offline, but I'm gonna give everybody listening an idea of what's going on so they can get the context of what we're gonna be talking about. So with teaching real estate, I just love helping people. I love helping as many people as I can. I have two students who became... Not necessarily employees because I don't pay them. They just work for me. They just say, hey, I just love how much you're helping people. I want to be a part of it because they're doing fantastic in their job or their business to actually, um, you know, invest in real estate. One in 18 months literally has 22 units in 18 months. has like $7,000 a month in passive income. Just brilliant. Anyways, they said, hey, we should do an in-person meetup, like a conference or something like that. They both said that. I was like, okay, well, let me think about this. Long story short, what app started coming to my brain was like, I'm not... I don't want a conference around me. I don't want a conference about around myself. I just want to help as many people as I can and not just help people invest, but help my friends who are also, let's say, content creators, influencers that help people out to invest. I want to help them too. So I want to create a conference that's going to be, basically, it's going to be called not Master Passive Income or Successful Unemployed. It's going to be called Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference. And I want to bring in great people who have a heart for giving and heart for building a good community of people that are just helping each other out and share with people. The end goal would be having people who want to invest, to want to learn how to invest, would come and learn, but bring everybody together under one roof. And that's my idea for a conference. And obviously, there's no better person, in my opinion, that I could talk to that I know of other than you. So with that general overarching idea of going with a conference, where would I start doing this? Is it calling up hotels? Is it just... Talking to people that you know, hey, are you into this? Like, what are your thoughts? Where should I even start with that?
1: Good question. And but first, uh, I like a couple of things about what you mentioned there. One is you uh, heard from customers and people who are close to you in your business that an event needs to happen, right? So you're just hearing this. And I back whenever I started FinCon, I, I was hearing the same things. We needed a place to get together. We needed to have an event of our own. So. I was hearing a buzz of these of this needing to happen, so that proves in the it says it doesn't prove it out necessarily, but it says hey, there's a potential that there's something lacking in the marketplace, right? In events, and events are hard to start up. They take a lot of courage and energy and time, and so uh, it's it's a big barrier to entry. So, but if you're hearing that, that's good, um, and you're also hearing it from people who are already. Customers to a degree, and so that's great. They they're part of your community specifically. The coolest thing I heard you mentioned was um, that you weren't necessarily making it about you, and I think that's that's the way to go, man. That's uh, events are are a big thing, and if it all comes down to you being on stage, you being the personality that carries it forward, it's just it's a lot of um, this is so much pressure on you. When you don't have to do that with events, right? Events should be about the people attending. Um, so things I did, I read the book Conferences That Work by Adrian Seeger. Uh, it's not necessarily the model that FinCon fully follows, but the philosophies that he has around how to form an event and how to start one, uh, I think are pretty key to keeping your, the mindset, right. He talks about, you know, really trying to make the event about the people attending, you know, and what they want. And so much so that he, he does his events more real time. So people show up and then they, they, they say, here's the topics we want to talk about. And then they say, here's the people in the room who can talk about these things. Let's have these conversations. And so he's a little more, uh, raw and risky with how he likes to do it but the philo- I like the I would philosophy. say that. <laughs> yeah I like the philosophy that he brings to the event space so I read that book I also started an email list and I asked people who potentially could come to the show to be on that list and then I started peppering them with questions so from the moment you start the event you uh, as a creative person and as a self-motivated person like you are, your tendency is going to be to just try to craft it all and do everything. Let me write down what this event's going to be, who the speakers should be, who everything about it, where it needs to be, what date, what time, how many days. Uh, I just think that's a mistake. I, I think you should let your customers help you craft it. I mean, this is classic business kind of 101. It's so like, let your customer kind of help really make the thing. And With this particular product, because they are coming to the event themselves, it's not only will you know what to make for them, but they're going to have like real big ownership in this event once they show up and they're going to have be loyal to it and they're going to feel like they helped craft this thing. So get on the phone, start an email list, get a Facebook group going, whatever it is for you to start getting immediate feedback from folks, survey them. Whatever you need to do to get those folks starting that conversation before before you even, even name it, before you even have a date. I mean, that's what I did with FinCon. I didn't know what date, what city. Um, I, I guess I chose the name because I wanted a website. You know, I chose Financial Blogger Conference, but I didn't really even need, need to do that because the name changed a year later just to FinCon. So, um, yeah, so start talking to your people is the first thing you should do. Um, the hotel part or the location part is a little intimidating and um there may be someone from your community that can help out with that but i would suggest going with what's called a location broker or a hotel liaison or whatever so they're these companies that will sit between you and hotels and help you find a space right they'll help you find the right space for you and they'll send out rfps or requests for proposals telling all the hotels and event centers what you need or what you think you need. And then everyone will come back. yeah, we'd love to host them on these dates. Uh, and here's the food and beverage minimum And so then, then you'll get a contract with those, with whatever one you choose. And then that liaison will help you negotiate that contract. So it's good to have a person like that. I think it was helpful. So helpful that we still use her to this day. Carolyn from Helms Briscoe is someone we still use 11 years later. Um, I used her that first year. She cold reached out to me and said, hey, I hope you find a location. She had heard that we were having an event. And I I said, well, how much do you charge? She said, I'm free because the hotels pay me a commission when we ultimately sign. So you have to kind of watch out for that little bit of conflict of interest there. But those are the two things I did. start an email list and work with Helms Briscoe or a similar type of uh, company.
0: Man, you gave me so many, so many questions coming out of that, and so many great insights. So I love that you use somebody else because I've literally I'm a doer, and you know me, PT. So I'm definitely a doer. So I've literally everything you told me said, "Don't do this. Like start this other way." I've already been doing that, <laughs> and so check. Stop doing that stuff. Get an email list and get a conference broker, and so I'm definitely going to go down that route now. A lot of questions come in my head. Obviously, we have to get find a location, get a date and time, all that sort of stuff. But the biggest thing for me comes around, and probably everybody. How many people can I actually get there? Because I got to start telling people, all right, okay, are we going to limit it? Like how many? Because okay, if I'm starting this conference, a couple of thoughts come to my mind. Leave it open ended and say, hey, just as many people as possible can sign up, or say, hey, this is a small, intimate gathering. And in oh, one thing I didn't totally mention. Um, other than outside when we were talking offline. um, I have a number of other influencers that are in real estate that are in different, like I do rental properties. I have a friend that does land, another friend that does syndication or apartment complex, another friend that does flipping. And so I wanna bring them in and have them be a part of this and encourage them to say, this could even be like an in-person gathering for your people. Like, let's think of it like that. And so here's my thought, because I, I know I probably can't draw that many people. I don't know, 20, 50, I don't know how many people I could draw. But if I were to do that, where do what's the number of people for a very first event that I should even, knowing all that, where should I go with number-wise and telling somebody, hey, let's look for a venue for a thousand people or 10 people?
1: You know, just start having the conversation with your the hotel broker and you know, say, I can't really commit to a specific number, but here's kind of a general range we're looking for and to to come up with that general range, I would say, you know, think about your customers. uh, Um, what percentage of them might come and you might could do a poll right now with your customers to say, Hey, if I had this thing, would, would you potentially come? And so then you'd kind of have a little bit of a number there. If you sort of extrapolated that out and said, okay. I'm going to select five or six other influencers from the, from the real estate space. And I know they have audiences and we could generally get about the same percentage of their customers to come to the show. If we make them speakers and make them part of it and help them get them to help promote it, then you can sort of work in yourself toward a number, right? I mean, that's, that's just, I would say an, an initial stab you could take. You could also look at other real estate conferences that are going on out there, look and see how many folks are coming. I mean, just so you get in a general ballpark, right? Are you going to have 10,000 people show up or are you going to have 10? You know, it's, it's some obviously going to be maybe somewhere in between, but seeing what other events can do and are doing out there would be helpful. Maybe attend. Attend a couple other conferences if you have time between now and when you want to do your show. Just to do some research, see what everybody else is doing, and kind of kind of get to know like some of the gaps again in the marketplace. For me, I honestly thought if I could get – 25 people to the first one, I would have been happy. And I picked a place, ultimately I picked a place on the map that I knew was geographically centered for those 25 sets of people, <laughs> 25 set of people. And so they could at least hey, drive where was that? in. Uh, Chicago, Illinois. Let's say the top 10 people I want there could drive into the show because they live in the Midwest. That's, that's kind of a way that I you know, that I wrapped my head around a number at first, then I did the email list and boom, we had 150 people on the email list. And so I said, Oh, okay. This could be a hundred people at the show. The email list is going to help you. The starting to put some faces, you know, and names out there on a website is going to help you because you're just going to start generating that a little bit of that buzz. So a couple hundred people though, that's a good, that's a good number to shoot for. You know, that's that's not impossible to get for a first year conference. And heck, I proved I could do it. And our people were ready, you know, so you could do even more because you're really tapping into a consumer base. Right. And if you have it yours in a bigger city, then you could do local advertising and get a lot of a lot of folks there. So the consumer conference, I don't know much about, but depending on your ticket price, you know, you could potentially get a lot of folks there. Uh, spend a lot on advertising. I have a low ticket price. I mean, it could be kind of like your real estate expo in town and you could have 10,000 people come through the door, but you got to pick, you got to decide what kind of conference you're kind of going for. Are you going for the big trade show kind of thing, uh, expo high volume, or are you going for more of a smaller intimate conference style where everyone sort of peers with each other and there's a lot of, you know, kind of networking crosstalk.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not the big, huge, um, just, you know, 10,000 people in the door. That's definitely not. That's the opposite of what I want. In fact, I want it much more intimate where we have a lot more people that are networking, they're working together. And we're, because I found investing as well as everything in life, it's so much better when you have other people that you know that can hold you accountable, encourage you, give you lessons on, you know, teach you, hey, I did this, this worked for me. And so and bring bringing everybody together and I was even talking to one of the influencers that uh, is really interested in being a part of it. She was saying that she could probably bring a good amount of people from her realm of influence, as well as the other investors that invest with her, even as just like a, a in-person meeting, and you know, a gathering for all of them, which would be fantastic because they've been wanting to do it, but they don't have any experience in events. I have plenty of experience in events with conferences, not conferences, but like church things like that. I've just done lots and lots of those, but never a conference. So in thinking about... Would it be if I said, okay, every, all influencers, you're going to be a part of this. We're going to cap it at 200 people to hopefully get like a sense of urgency or a sense of demand. Is that smart or would it be just like, let's get as many people in the door as possible or you know not in the door but like signed up that would come instead of trying to cap it at like let's say 200 because i'm kind of thinking my wife and i because i know if we set up for like the food and the rooms and stuff we could be out some money if people don't show up
1: you can make those decisions t- Talk about food and all that stuff at the last month you know last month or two you know the, the hotels are very flexible they're not looking to burn you with what you're ultimately bringing in, you get to make the call up until the, even the last couple of weeks and say, hey, look, if we didn't sign as many as we thought, can we renegotiate the contract or, you know, do something different on the food and beverage? So you got some flexibility there. I wouldn't sweat that too much. I would spend more time and energy on trying to blow through that number. I think that's a good number to shoot for 200, pers- 200 people these days traveling somewhere to be in a room together and work together is good. Um, and you can give those people a lot. Like they can have access with each other, they can hang out with each other a lot, so they're getting a rich experience. You can start getting above that, and people, you know, don't get to go maybe to all the sessions, or maybe they don't get to hang out with everybody and meet everybody. So at some point, you have to determine if you want to give folks a premium experience or kind of the everyone experience. So at FinCon, we do the Pro Pass which we're able to do for, you know, a few hundred folks versus everybody. And we try to give them a, a richer, deeper networking experience with the brands is really what it is, is what we've determined that they want uh, that we can charge extra for. So at some point you have to decide, okay, 300 people, now we're pushing it. We can't all go to the speaker's dinner, you know, uh, who can go to that now? Is it just the speakers or is it um, who gets access to that? So I think as you grow, then start thinking about things like access and and the benefits that come with the ticket. So, and, and your customers will tell you what tier they want to sort of be in, right? So if you put a ticket out there for 500 bucks and you got 200 people who sign up for it, it's like, well, dang, we got have a, that's a really nice customer base. Maybe we could have uh, charged more for even more access somehow, you know, or, but if you get a lot of pushback on that and say, well, we want you to come still, but maybe it's like not as much access uh, because we just can't do that with that many people or whatever. So you'll have time to massage those things as you kind of go along. My first year, kind of a rookie mistake. I just put 99 bucks out there, whoever wants to come. Now I understood, but I understood who my customer was. It was a personal finance blogger. It was this very specific person. I I wanted to be a low cost conference. I didn't want it to be there to be any price barrier or entry for anybody, whether you're a hobbyist or whether you've been blogging for five years and making tons of money. That was kind of the choice, you know, I made initially early on. But we shifted that through the years. And we have, like I said, our kind of two ticket levels. And we try to give people access uh, based on kind of what they're really looking to do at the event. So you'll figure those things out along the way. I wouldn't sweat that too much.
0: At FinCon, there are multiple sessions, multiple like rooms. Everywhere. you got to figure out where you're going to go. In starting out, would it be wise to have one room and have everybody in one room and have each session is in the same room so everybody gets the same experience? Is it better to do that? Because thinking of all that other people and logistically, and do you have enough really enough people for each one of the sessions? What are your thoughts about that?
1: If you want a bigger conference, uh, include more speakers and more sessions. So the bigger you, the conference you want, accept more speakers and accept more sessions. As long as they're quality if you're getting quality submissions and quality speakers coming through and say, Hey, I want to speak there, figure out a way to get their content in there. If it's, Oh, or that that content's online or if it's the day before in a workshop or if it's dual track, like you mentioned. Um, but certainly dual, when you go dual track, um, it is a challenge. It's a, it's more of a challenge to run the event because then you've got two AV teams, you're dealing with all of a sudden your customer has to make a choice which one do i go to it's so just a lot more complexity complexity gets adds added to the event so you have to really think hard if and when you make that decision but i would say conferences and trade shows for me are about and because i'm serving a specific association of people i want to get as many people as involved as possible so we try to get put as much quality stuff up on the board as, as we can. And yes, that means they were going to have to do classrooms and people are going to be competing against each other and you're going to have to choose you know, your path. But I, I think that's – I've always viewed that as healthy for our organization versus us being a single track. And that's because we brought together really a marketplace of ideas versus a specific curriculum or agenda. If you were teaching – the way of the successfully unemployed, and this is the five steps you need to take. Single track definitely makes sense uh, under this tent. Uh, the real estate wealth conference, I think you called it. That's a pretty big tent. A lot of topics can go up under there. So I think you'll just find as you take submissions. Hey, yeah, this fits nicely in a couple days uh, as a single track, and we can kind of, you know, pepper things in that you know may are largely interested and there's some specific things maybe in the afternoon, like highly uh, niche types of topics in the afternoons. So people don't necessarily want to go to that, they can network out or go spend time at the vendor booth or whatever it is. But, you know, you'll, you'll craft, you'll have time to craft that
0: along the way. So you're right with the idea of being all of real estate, there's going to be a lot of different things from flipping to wholesaling to taxes, tax liens and all that sort of stuff. And so thinking of one one long track of everything. It's like, wow, this it's like a fire hydrant of a bunch of information. But at the same time, I don't know. So that yeah, I'm glad I'm talking to you because that's running me through. And so a lot of questions come up and you brought up the idea of price. Like you've made the mistake of $99. I'd rather, I'd like to charge as little as I can, but at the same time, I don't want to lose money. I don't want it to pay money out of my pocket because we didn't cover the amount of food or something like that. What would you consider? Well, I think, because you and I have, I have talked offline, Talk to me about where you make money in conferences. Is it the ticket sales? Is it something else?
1: My revenue comes 50-50 from ticket sales and sponsorships. So I've been able to set it up to where half our revenue comes from our ticket buyers, half comes from the sponsors who sometimes bring a booth and exhibit at the conference. I like it that way because it makes us not reliant on one particular revenue stream and also puts the puts sort of the pressure on both sides to come and bring their best to the conference. There's lots of, of big trade shows where the sponsors and vendors are the only ones who pay. Essentially, they pay for their booths and the right to be there. And then we do all the marketing and make it free, essentially, to get you know the people through the door. Or we do what's called hosted buying, where you essentially like almost pay for people to come you know, to come experience as long as they have so many meetings. I don't like that kind of pressure on, I don't like selling my attendee. I'm glad I have an attendee that's put money forward and they're investing to come be a part of the conference. And we can show our attendee, Hey, here are the success stories that have come out of FinCon. The people who have come, they've sure they've spent the thousand bucks or whatever it is to come and do the travel and do the hotel. But this is what they're, they're now full-time, freelancer or they figured out affiliate marketing and now they have 2x the revenue they did last year. You know, we can show those things to our customers and say, your investment will result in that. You're going to have a great customer because your, your customer has already opted into the idea that they're an investor. That's literally what they want to be is an investor. And so investing in your conference is just a small price to pay to be around the right people who know the right things and learn those few things that are gonna kind of push them over the edge you either take that first step into it or find those really good deals and make those relationships. Or I mean, you're gonna have so much to sell, you know, in terms of the idea of what this conference can produce for people.
0: My my goal is to get more people like you with FinCon, more people in the door as opposed to not like having price be a limiting factor. I don't wanna be like a thousand dollar, two thousand dollar conference. I know there's, there's some conference I've been to it was like twelve hundred bucks. I was like, whoa. There better be a lot of deliverables inside for $1,200. So I'm thinking, I'm trying to make it a little lower price. Okay, so once I'm thinking about having the idea, or I'm having the conference, I want to move forward. I sort of email list. I have contacted a conference broker, a hotel broker that's going to help me do that. At the same time, time frame, like I'm thinking, okay, it's literally November right now. And I was thinking, okay, if I'm going to do an small master passive income one, which is obviously not what I want to do. But if I'm gonna do something small, I was thinking Arizona is beautiful in the winter. Let's do something like February, March. But I'm co- almost thinking now after talking to you, that's like way too little of a time to start a conference and get as much enemy people there as possible and really flesh everything out like you're saying. Is that right? Should I maybe take a year to develop this or shorter? Is it okay?
1: If you're ready to do it, I would I would do something in the winter with a small set of people, like a beta, I would, if you, if your energies for it, ready to do it, just get people together. I would do a beta version of this and call it founders or whatever. And basically get the initial set of people in the door who want to come and share ideas, talk, get this thing buzzing, but really set it up to where your next one is the big one. You know? So I would use, I would use this as kind of a chance to like get to know that customer. So it's, It's your email list in live form, your surveys in live form, you know, make it as cheap as possible just to get these folks there and let them know, Hey, this is the beta. This is where we want to do something big down the road, but I'm getting you guys together, inviting you here to be a part of this thing for low cost, share ideas. And then we're going to craft something really special for next fall or whenever I've seen that done before successfully. And I I kind of like that idea. So, and if your energy is ready to do it this winter, then I would just do that, man.
0: That's great. No, I love I didn't even think about doing something like that, doing a, a beta. So that's a great idea. Cause I was thinking, well, I'm I'm a gung ho type of person. Like i <laughs> just get it done. And so like if we're if, if you're gonna tell me, hey, yeah, get it done and do the full thing in, you know, February, March, I'm like, all right, that's what I'm gonna do. But I love the idea of doing some sort of a, like a beta one. So that's that's awesome.
1: I would pick, you know, like who are the ten or twenty people who you know have good customer bases. And you have relationships with and they could spread the word about your event as if you make them a speaker um, and then people are going to be excited even in your uh, customer base because they're coming as a speaker. So who are those, who are those 10 to 20 people who you could get in this room to kind of do a little preliminary talk about this and then get them excited. And then, you know, at the event you make the big announcement, Hey, we're going to do this big thing next fall I want you guys to in some ways partner with me, not literally partner because you're going to do all the hard work or you and your team are. So you need to be rewarded for that. But, um, partner in some way make you a speaker. Um, you can be a founding partner here. You're always going to have access or what, whatever, however you need to sell them on the idea of it, to, to partnering with you on this. Um, use that moment to do that. Maybe.
0: Did you ever bring on people as like a, a board, meaning they're, open for questions and like, Hey, give me your ideas. Cause I was thinking, okay, I have a a few good people that I would bring on if I were ever to create a board to help craft and get ideas and stuff like that. And really just help uh, facilitate things. Like what are your thoughts about that? Or is that something I don't really need to do because it's, it's an event that I just can just put on with the team.
1: I sort of had that initially uh, with the email list and the kind of small group there. And I was a part of a little mastermind. I got some ideas from, we had a Facebook group. So let kind of generate staying close to your customer and understanding what they need and what they want is a, is a good thing. Um, but I do like the idea of having a, a true board. I think events need a board of some type. In fact, we have one now for FinCon and it was probably two or three years too late to have done it. You know, we should have had it, um, a little earlier just, but be- again, it, it, the bigger you get, the harder it is to kind of hear from everybody. So you kind of have to whittle that down and say, okay, we can hear from 10 or 20 people though. You know, we can meet together once once or twice a year to kind of get their input and get their ideas. And then we, then we check that box and say, okay, we are talking to our customer. We know what they want. And now we can go build the thing that they said they wanted. Even though we only talked to 20 of our customers, it was a key 20. And again, those people are going to be more invested in your event. They're going to advocate for you. They're going to be you know, evangelist for you. So absolutely do a board uh, as quick as possible.
0: I think one of the last questions that I really had for you was, I think it's, and I, in the other conferences that I've been to, it's FinCon's unique, in my opinion, with the community, the aspect of the, the community, the people there are genuine people that are really helpful, really giving. And so how do I, in creating a conference, try to develop something that's that, type of a community where people are giving people are helpful because real estate it can be very salesy very scammy very like uh car salesman type thing i i literally don't want that i want it to be the opposite and where it's it's literally all helping each other out how do you focus on or do you even focus on the community to make sure that that's the type of environment that you have in your event.
1: You've got to act like the person that you want at your event, you know? So if that's you, and I know you now enough to know that that is you. So keep being you and doing your thing. Um, Write down a mission statement, write down some values that you have that you want this event to live by. And ultimately those could be published and people can see what this event's about and where, so you attract the right people then in that 10 or 20 group of people, make sure it's those folks. There's certain people in our in the FinCon community who keep their distance, right? And they don't have that, that abundance mindset. They're super competitive, you know? And I made attempts to reach out or maybe they come once every five years or something like that, but they're just not an integral part. And I think another thing I did um, with the conference was I broke down all the tiers and the levels. So... I just didn't let there I didn't let any hierarchy exist at FinCon. Like from the keynote speaker down to the volunteer that's checking people in, everyone's equally important, everyone's an individual should be treated that way and should be valued. Um everyone paid 99 bucks, you know? <laughs> so it, it was a flat it was a flat flat tier system that it was literally about bringing them together, you know? So um, if it's about propping someone up or making stars out of you know king making, you, know, you gotta get that stuff out of your event. So things I did was, you know, we really de-emphasized the speakers at the event. So the speakers had a, a badge just like attendees had. Maybe they had a little bitty mark on there or something. Um, speakers have to volunteer at FinCon to be a mentor. So when they come to and speak at the event, they also have to give 15, 20 minutes of their time to talk to one of our attendees and work with them at the event. Again, flatten the hierarchies as much as possible. Um, And then everyone's there and they're working together and they're moving toward this mission that you've set up, you know, so put that mission out there. If your mission is one that is literally um, rising tide floats all boats kind of thing, then people will respond and you've got to maintain that posture and those top 10, 20 people have to be those people too, that you're leaning on. You can't just go get this big real estate guru just because you know, he's going to sell a thousand tickets for you, but he just has the worst at He has, he's the wrong person there, you know, and he's going to infect this. He's going to just put the wrong attitude on the thing. So you got to get the right people involved. I was lucky to have been attracted to the right people. And they were the people who were sharing with me already, you know, um, so you know who those people are who you can who you can talk to about real estate right now who will share with you yeah. and who will where regardless of where you're at they'll reach down and work with you and so that's who you got to build this with and you know, that's got to be part of the mission if that's important and, th- and then that'll you know that'll that'll work itself out so
0: that's great yeah that's hugely important for me in fact I don't want to do a conference if it's not like that where we're helping everybody and building everything up because that's the reason why I have successful employees is because I have extra time I get great talk to great people like you learn a lot as well as share with other people and so that's much rather that's definitely much more as my speed is like hey let's all help each other out it's just so much better when we're all helping each other out now man PT you give us so much great insights so let's jump into the rapid fire round really quick questions your answers don't have to be quick though so first question is is there anything else out of all this great information that I might have missed that I should have asked a question I should have asked or something that we need to look into?
1: I don't know. Um, I would just say, you know, make sure these people want to be together, you know? Um, and it sounds like, it sounds like they do. Um, I, I, w- I can imagine as an, as an early real estate investor, I would want to, you just don't see that. Oh, who's an early real estate. I can't just go outside and find one, there's no, uh, necessarily storefront or whatever. Someone's going to talk to me about this, that thing. So, uh, just make sure it, you're building something for people who want to be together. That's the easiest event you'll ever make. So my, I guess my advice to anyone building a conference is just build something for people who want to be together already, because it's a big ask, especially these days to get people together. And, um, the easiest job you'll have as an event marketer is just serving up something that's already needed.
0: That's great. What is one bit of advice that you would give to your younger self out of all these years of learning and growing? It could be business, life, whatever.
1: I would say in the early years of FinCon, probably um, this just came to mind since we were talking events. Don't focus too much on profit in those first couple of years because it's not going to make that much money in the first couple of years. Um, and I put this out there on my own ptmoney.com. You can see how much the conference made the first couple of years, which is, you know, I would have spent that extra twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand $50,000 on something else to make the event amazing or v- more valuable for those first couple of years for people. And just, it just said the first two years are a wash. We're not necessarily going to make money off of it, but people are going to know by the second year. This is the most amazing event to go to, and this is where they want to be. And then the third year of the event pops. And I, we would have had so much bigger of a pop that third year had I invested, you know, and took not taking profits, basically.
0: Awesome. I, I'm definitely in, I'm blessed to be in a position where all that profit, I could just dump right back into the business. So that's great. Okay. So what is one nonfiction book, could be business or life, that you would suggest that we should read?
1: If you haven't read it yet, I will teach you be rich is a good one for personal finances by Ramit Sethi.
0: What is one tool that you use in your life? It could be a golf club. It could be an <laughs> app on your... Oh, <laughs> i joking because we play golf together. But anyways, um, it could be an app on your phone. It could be a piece of paper and pencil, a tool that you use in your normal everyday life that you would suggest we should look into.
1: Yeah. Well, if you're like me and you have kids, Greenlight, the app. Is one that I use. I think you pay five bucks a month or something like that. And it automates, uh, gives your kid a debit card. And and so they have a a thing, you know, a card to to use to spend. It automates uh, your allowance for them. It automates even like what goes to giving, saving, and spending. And then once they swipe it, it knows, you know, specifically how much is in spending that they can use. So it's a way to teach your kids proper money management and to get rid of all arguments about money in your household. Uh, Whenever our kids want anything or ask for anything, they really don't even ask anymore. They just ask how much money's in their green light account. And I show them on the app and then they make a decision themselves whether they want to buy something or not. Now, if they're buying candy, we still help them decide, okay, this isn't the time to eat the candy. You bought it, but you know, we need to go brush our teeth right now or whatever it is. But you know, you get the point. It it takes money uh, arguments off the table and leads to good financial education for your kids. So highly recommend Greenlight.
0: Okay. You've given us so much great advice. I know people are going to want to check out FinCon because I I definitely go to FinCon all the time as well as PT Money. But how can people find you? Is there a podcast they listen to or anything like that? But how can people see you online?
1: Yeah. Uh, hit up ptmoney.com if you're interested in side hustling. If you want to see my accidental landlord story over there, which is working out pretty good these days, by the way. Um and um fincon is our website for the event. Um and then um uh, that's about it, man. Just email me if you want, pt at ptmoney.com. It's
0: easy. Awesome. PT, thank you so much for your time. Giving me definitely lots of great advice. So I really appreciate it again, man. Thank you. Today's episode has been brought to you by the Real Estate Wealth Builders membership. That's the membership that I founded, teaching people how to quit their J-O-B by investing in real estate rental properties. Now, Real Estate Wealth Builders is your place to learn how to invest in real estate with five different masterclass courses, group coaching with me, and a private student community where we all work together, all the tools and the discounts, all the resources and everything that you need to quit your J-O-B by investing in real estate. Now, I do want to show you how to do this completely for free. If you want to learn about investing in real estate for free, I want to get you my free real estate investing course. Text the word RENTAL to 33777. That's R-E-N-T-A-L to 33777 so you can see how you can quit your job that J-O-B by investing in real estate. I'll show you how to find properties, how to use other people's money to buy properties and how to scale the business to be successfully unemployed just like I did. Now, did you also know that there are video versions of each and every single episode on the Successfully Unemployed show? Well, I did record every single one of these for you. I recorded them for you so you will be able to learn from the experts themselves, see what they're doing, see everything that they are talking about on this show visually, and all their examples, all their slides, all their pictures that they even draw. Everything is on there. Go to successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. Or if you just go to YouTube and type in successfully unemployed, more than likely you're gonna find me. So successfullyunemployed.co forward slash YouTube. And I would truly appreciate it if you subscribe to Successful Unemployed on YouTube and wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe to this show so that you can always get every bit of new information on how to quit your J-O-B. Also, if you got anything out of the show, share it with just one person. Share it with just one person so that they can see the light that it is so much better to not work a job, be successfully unemployed, and be your own boss. All right, guys, this is it for today's show. I will see you next week. See ya.